Thanks, Devin. Uh, our children go to Children's Church this time, and I uh, trust they have a great time as they share with their leaders. Well, this is the Sunday in which we spend our entire Sunday giving announcements. Hope you understand that. Um, but just in the spirit of what Brand shared about if you're going to get to heaven, you've got to go to the breakfast and join a life group. Um, if you actually want to know Jesus when you get there, be sure to do your personal time with God this week, all right? So take your personal time with God and put it in your Bible, all right? That's one way to make it a much better chance for you actually to do it if you know where it is. So put that in your, in your Bible. And in fact, this week's going to be a better, greater blessing because Brandon wrote the, the uh, questions for the text. And so uh, spend time there. It's a great opportunity to go beyond uh, having just good intentions. Uh, have you noticed that sometimes there's just great goals you have, some things you've got planned to do, and then you simply don't do it? And that happens often as we desire to spend time in God's Word or actually think when we spend time in God's Word to reflect upon what it has to say. And uh, I found it a real blessing as I've gone through it. And often uh, I write the questions and I, rec- and I reckon that was actually a pretty good question. I have to think about the answer to that. So it allows you to re- think about what you're um, reading. And really, we've really made them very simple as far as uh, making observations. But that's the, that's the key to Bible study is simply asking questions of the text, uh, put it in context, and then ask what does it say, what does it mean, and how does it apply. And it's a great opportunity to reflect on God's Word. The other announcement, uh, since this is the Sunday of announcements, is that next, um, this next week and month, our, uh, our women's ministry is doing a special uh, outreach to, uh, to a group, and we're going to be passing out some grocery bags that you can use that for this month uh, to um, bring food items and other items uh, for uh, their special ministry. All right, with that, let's uh, look to God in prayer, and uh, I've got a lot to say, so I'm going to be speaking fast, so get ready. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. We pray that as we look in your word, as we think about what you have for us, that you might uh, allow us to uh, know you more deeply, to follow you more faithfully, and to um, look to be fruitful in our lives for you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this actually is the kickoff, though next Sunday, as Brandon was sharing with us, is really the start of our series called called God's Perfect Design, and that word design is actually an acronym or acrostic for the the themes we'll be emphasizing uh, throughout the next six to seven weeks after after this particular Sunday, and we're going to be focusing particularly on what God wants to do with our lives after we come to know Him. And last uh, Lord's Day was, what Sunday was that? That was... Easter Sunday, as uh, we were kind of emphasizing that as we began our service. And I try to summarize Easter with one particular word, if you were with us. And if, you're, if you were not, you will find out what that one word is. Easter is all about what? Hope. Now, you could actually summarize Easter in a variety of different words or terms. And if you're with us, that's the one that I used. And actually, I kind of stole from somebody else I was reading about. And it kind of struck me. Can you really summarize the greatest day in the history of time with one word. And the word that they picked was hope. Now, we could argue whether you want to have a better word than that, but that's a great summary of what happens on Easter. Because without Easter, we really don't have much hope that we can stake our life on. Because as... uh, Many have said, and I said on last Sunday, you know, you can, you can go 40 days maybe without food. You can go uh, eight days without water. You can go a few minutes without air. But you can only go, as some say, eight seconds without hope. And even as uh, some of you are aware of, um, 
you know, a pastor's family this past week, uh, they lost their son. And it could be related to mental illness. That's really where they feel the focus of that was. But those who are struggling with what's going on inside, there, there comes a point where they lose hope for this life. Even, even if they have connected with God, but they, they lose hope that what's wrong in their life can be made right. But Jesus came to give us that hope that we can be convinced that he can make life right. And there's a difference between the hope that, that God gives and the hope that we, we try to muster up on our own. You know, our own hope is, is hoping for, wishing for something to happen that is really out of our control. You know, some of, those, some of you who are sports fans, you're, you're hoping that your team makes the playoffs or they make the playoffs or they do well in the playoffs. And it's really beyond your control. You, you can desire with all that you have for that to happen, but you can't make it happen. And so it really is reduced to wishful thinking. And we could debate the probability of, of your team winning beyond, you know, better, more than my team, but it's still wishful thinking because all things can happen that can change the outcome of a game. Uh, someone could get injured, a bad call by a referee, or whatever it might be, and everything changes. But we think about the hope that God gives us, and again, that's what Easter is all about, is that that is hoping for, wishing for something to happen, but actually confident that will happen, having a conviction that it will happen, because it's not something that is out of control. It might be out of your control, but it's not out of God's control, because once he says it's going to happen, it will happen, and he can control all the circumstances to make it happen. And he proved it beyond a shadow of doubt about the most important thing that we want to have settled. What happens when this life is over? Because Jesus conquered death. So in many ways, a singular word describing what Easter is all about, the word hope is, is a good summary of Easter. And we could use other words that, that really hit to the heart of it as well. But hope is a great word for that. Well, as we begin this morning... And if you're looking at the outline, I can go through it quickly, so just relax, and I will try not to speak too quickly. If we look at God's perfect design, what I want to ask today is, is another summary statement, and actually I, I read this from another source this week, which is interesting, it kind of stopped me in my tracks as well. I thought, would I, would I really choose that word? And the, the question is, what is Christianity all about? Now, before they put the answer up on the screen, I hardly ever look at that screen, but you know, I, if someone asked me that question, well, what is Christianity all about? Uh, you know, I could come up with a variety of words. Uh, I might pick a person. And if I picked a person, I think you'd all pick the same person. That person's name is, oh, you guys are so sharp. I just <laughs> knew you'd get that one right. All right. Well, we, we could pick Jesus. I mean, it, it is, it's all found in a person. And I'm sure that even this author that I, that I saw or read about, he he would have picked that, but he said, I, that, that's unfair. That's, that's cheating. You can't use the Jesus answer for every question in church, you know. So if you, if you don't allow Jesus to be the answer about what Christianity is all about or a synonym for him, Christ, the Son of God, Son of Man, all that, what else would you use to pick a particular term that would summarize what Christianity is all about? Well, we might pick hope, but that's what we use for Easter, so we can't use the same word, Right. And so we could say faith, and we talked a little bit about faith last week and contrasting faith and hope. You could take what 1 Corinthians 13 says, now abide faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. 
But that's not the word that he picked. And after I used it, I had to think through it, and I said, you know, you could pick other words, and you could justify other words to summarize what Christianity is all about, but, but this is a good word. This is a good idea to understand what Christianity, in terms of living it, is all about. And the word he used, it's all about service. It's all about service. Now, we're, we're going to see later on a verse that refers to Jesus. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So if you're going to pick a word uh, for the resurrection or Easter Sunday, or if you're going to pick a word for Christianity, it helps if it's found somewhere in the Bible, right? And also somehow found in relationship to Jesus. And if, if Jesus came not to be served, but to serve... That's not a bad word for us to, to wrestle with, to say, does that summarize what Christianity is all about, service? Now, the one I might have picked was love, and, and basically love and service are connected, and we're going to see that this morning, but I came across a quote from Mother Teresa, and she put it this way, love cannot remain by itself, it has no meaning, it's just out there. Love has to be put into action. And that action is service. And really, when you think about it, someone simply saying, I love you, but never showing it or demonstrating it, means about what? Nothing. And so service is the, the outbirth. It's, it's the result. It's, the, it's the, the, the demonstration of what love is all about. So as we begin this series, uh, God's Perfect Design, it's really going to be about what Christianity is all about. And what Christianity is all about, at least in terms of how we're kind of focusing, it's all about service. And we're going to look at, well, how does that touch down to my life and to your life? And is this something just putting a, another guilt trip on you or, or trying to push you to do some things you don't want to do or, or make sure you get to heaven because you join a life group or whatever it might be is come to breakfast. You know, what is it what does it really mean as far as God saying that's how I designed you? Well, hopefully as we kind of begin this morning, you'll you'll kind of get the the idea of what we're what we're seeing what God has said about that. You know, what did Jesus say about as far as who would be the greatest among us? And hopefully you you've got a, a desire to be significant in your life. And significant doesn't necessarily mean successful in the world's idea, but that, that your, your life matters, it counts, there's, there's something of value to it. And if you're competitive at all, or you have kind of an energy to do the best you can, well, yeah, I wouldn't, I'd like to be the greatest at what God wants me to be. Well, what did Jesus say about who would be greatest in this world? And the answer, of course, is pretty obvious in terms of the theme this morning. Those who would be a servant. In Matthew 23, 11, it says, But he who is greatest among you shall be your, what? Servant. Now, what's interesting about being a servant is, is it is a vocation that we can all qualify for. Isn't that interesting? Uh, there isn't any particular degrees you have to have. Um, most of what would be described as what a servant does doesn't take a whole lot of training all that talks about is a willingness. Now, there are certain things you might serve in that might require a certain specific type of training or, 
or experience or, or a mentor or whatever it might be. But it all begins by being willing to serve. And it's critical. I was thinking, in fact, I was going to begin to serve this way. Um, my, uh, my brother uh, went to school, went to uh, University of Riverside on a tennis scholarship. And I was thinking as Matt was up here playing guitar, and uh, Matt has uh, uh, coached uh, tennis players and uh, trained tennis players. And, and what I could do is I could come to you and say, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a great tren- a tennis player. I am really, really good. And I could, I could say a few things that might make you think I, I'm, I'm okay at it. Um, once I discovered I wasn't going to make the major leagues in, in my baseball career after high school, I, I decided to follow my, my brother's footsteps, and I, I said, well, let me change my athletic career here, and I'll become a tennis player. Well, I, I had a little success, and I mean a little success, after uh, learning the game in one year. The next year, I actually made the team, made, and, I, and I played uh, singles and doubles, and I went to Cal State Fullerton, and I actually played doubles there a little bit like that. And I could say, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good tennis player. But then I could say, well, I only struggle in one particular area of the game. In fact, I'm actually hor- In fact, I can't, even, I can't even do any part of this part of the game. And it all relates to serving. <laughs> I, 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 can't, I can't serve and I can't return the serve. <laughs> but I'm a great tennis player. Let me tell you, I'm so awesome, man. I, I got a great volley. I got great ground strokes. But... But I can't serve, and I can never return a serve. What kind of tennis player am I? I, I, I can't even play because I can't get the, get the game started or continue on either side. Because if you can't get the ball when you're serving it, the game never starts. And if you can't return the serve, basically the game is over or the point is over. And if that be true in the game of tennis, that's, that's true in the game the Christian life. I'm really good in so many areas, but, you know, I'm not so good at serving. Then you'll never win a point. You'll never get a game. There'll never be a set in which you will win because you've got to be able to serve and return the serve. Now, what is service? Uh, One way to look at it is how and who are you serving? And that's a question that we really want to kind of throw out throughout this series. Uh, one way to look at it in terms of putting labels on it. Uh, the serving of believers is ministry. And the serving of non-believers is mission. Who and how are we serving? We, we want to serve people in the church and we want to serve people outside the church. One is ministry And one is mission. And really, again, all of us can do both. We can serve believers and we can serve those who aren't believers now and are hoping are going to become believers because we demonstrate the love of Christ by serving them. Well, this morning what I want to do is is examine what is service? What is service? And we've uh, got about six points I want to share with you, and you can reflect upon them. And then, then uh, next Lord's Day, we're going to be looking at how God's perfect design for you is that he wants you to serve exactly as he has put you together in, in a way that will honor him and, and bring you uh, full joy in life. What, what is service? Number one, 
First of all, it is an act of putting the needs of others before your own needs. And really, that's kind of the foundational description of service. It's, it's coming to that point in life, as you do life, as you see needs, you see your own needs and you see other people's needs. And whenever you see your needs and other people's needs, you have a choice to make, don't you? Particularly in a particular point in time, whose needs takes the priorities? What I need to have happen to my life or what needs to be happen in someone else's life? And as we think about being a servant, and if we were in a position where we were enslaved to a master and a physical level, that choice would be already made what? For us. You are a slave. I give the orders and you do what? You obey the orders. I've already decided that my needs or what I think my needs as the master is, is a priority over whatever needs you might have. And so as we think about being a servant, it begins to speak right to our heart. Do we care more about others than ourselves? Now, here we have in Philippians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, these statements. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. And then it says this. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. And so as we think about the lifestyle of being a servant, it begins by simply saying, am I willing to live a life where I'm thinking about others before I think about myself? And really, it's so natural to think about ourselves, isn't it? And what Jesus, I'm calling you to a different life because Jesus came not to be served, but to what? To serve and give his life a ransom for many. We took a group of... Uh, some of our couples just recently threw a series called Sacred Marriage, and Gary Thomas was the presenter of that, and, and he kind of challenged us to look at life and marriage, particularly from that a lens where we're, we're not thinking about, you know, is, is my spouse meeting my needs, and why don't they care for me, like, you know, and, but more about how am I pouring my life into my spouse's life. And, and it gets real practical at times. Like, like yesterday, I, yesterday um, we were doing some stuff around the yard, and all of a sudden I'll say, hey, let's... Let's, uh, let's call up a bunch of couples and, and, and go miniature golfing and, and, and have dinner. And I'm thinking, I didn't say this. <laughs> but I'm thinking, Alice, do you know what tonight is? Tonight is the, the semifinals of March Madness. <laughs> and that only happens once a year. And, and I've been a good boy. I haven't watched one... <laughs> I haven't watched one game throughout the, all of March Madness. And she thought it'd be great to call a bunch of couples up and go miniature golfing. Now, I, I just want to say, pat myself on the back. I didn't say it, and I went miniature golfing and went out to eat with those couples because I, I considered her needs more important than my needs. Okay. Now, now, <laughs> that wasn't a big sacrifice unless you know the couples I went with, and that was really hard to go with. But, <laughs> but, 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 <laughs> all right. But, you know, there are times you simply say, okay, well, yeah, what's more important? And, and really, you know, God is really calling us to, to, to consider when, when things come up, do we, we think only about ourselves? 
about other. And, and, and let me just be honest. With you. I, I'd much rather have gone miniature golfing and, and gone to those couples and watched those games because I believe in DVRs and watching those tapes. And you can always watch it afterwards. All right. So, number one, what is service? It's, it's thinking about the needs of others more than yourself. Secondly, it, it's an act of worship. Now, here I'm going to get a little spiritual or religious with you, but see, this is, this is fundamental. If we're going to say Christianity is all about service, then we better be able to back that up in a variety of different ways. Uh, look what Romans 12, uh, 1 uh, and 2 says, and particularly verse 1, we'll go back to it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I'm begging you. And basically that begging you is based, based on all that God has already done for you. And he spent 11 chapters talking about that. I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, by all the goodness of God that he's given to you, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. So he's not calling us to be a martyr. He's calling us to live out the life while he's left us here on planet Earth. And he said, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, what's the next word there? Service. Now, it's interesting if you have other translations with you, if you have the NIV or you have the New American Standard, it said that, that you might come to that place where you have as an act of worship being your service. And this is countercultural. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, when we serve others because we recognize how much God served us by sending his son to be that sacrifice and then providing for all of our needs, it's just just the overflow of a life filled with God's love and we out of gratitude and an act of showing how much we value all that he's done for us. We we want to give value to others by by meeting their needs. But by doing what we can do to be part of God's plan to accomplish his purposes. So whenever we give a cup of cold water to someone, whenever we're passing out a bulletin to someone, whenever we're teaching a class, whenever we're inviting someone, whenever we're praying for someone, whenever we're going that extra mile to pick somebody up in our car because they, 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 they need transportation, whatever it might be, whenever we're leading, whether we're teaching, whatever it might be, it's not only something that needs to be done, it's an expression of worship to God. Because why would we do this unless there's an internal value to things that we do? And we're honoring the one who's done so much for us. What a service. It's, it's that place in your life where you've come to the point that you're looking at the needs of others more than your own needs. What is worship? What is service? It's an act of worship. We're showing God how much we love him and how much we delight in him we we delight to please him because all he's done for us Uh, number three it's an act motivated by love in first corinthians 13 3 it says and though i bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though i give my body to be burned but have not love it profits me nothing now, you can do things as an act of service, but if it's not motivated by love, it's, it's not going to be received, oftentimes, even as an act of service. You know, if, if, uh, if, you know, if I bring flowers home from... I hate to use this illustration because I don't bring flowers home very often. But anyway, if, if, I, if I were to bring flowers home to house, I, I, I kind of grew up in that idea where, you know, you, why, why do you buy dead flowers? Why don't you buy a live flower and maybe put it in the ground or something like that? You know, dead flowers, they're going to be like a couple of... Did you notice there was a couple of flowers up here that were dying up here? 
but, and they're actually in a pot. But anyway, I, I digress. All right. It is, but if I came home with a you know, bouquet of flowers and I said, here, you know, I'm supposed to do this. <laughs> yeah, that, that wouldn't go over too well, would it? But, but if I brought a bouquet of flowers that, you know, got to, uh, Alice, you know, you are the love of my life and, and I don't deserve you. I, I, I married above my, my pay scale, whatever you want to call it, you know. You don't have to amen that. Okay, but it's, you know, you, I should do this every single day of, the, of my life, but I'm too cheap. All right, is, you know, an expression of love rather than just a, a sense of duty. Because great sacrifice done out of not a heart of love is so empty. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, it, it, it speaks to, but yeah, but what if you don't feel so loving at that moment in the person you're trying to serve? Then where does the source of your love come from? Look at 2 Corinthians 5. For the love of Christ compels us, controls us, other translations says, because we judge this, that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. See, when, when our... When our cup is empty in terms of love, we need to recognize who fills that cup. It's the one when we recognize how much he has loved us, then we can love others. And we leak out the love he has given us. And that's so related to service. When you don't feel like serving, then recognize the one who has served you so much, who has loved you so much. And as we go through this series, and this is just, this is just the, the kickoff of this, we're going to talk about all the how-tos related to this. We, we don't all necessarily serve in the same way, but we need to recognize it is an act of looking at the needs of others above your own needs. It, it is an act of worship where you're doing it out of delight for God. It, it is an act that should be motivated by love, and not only by, motivated by love, but it ought to be done in a loving way. And that's why in 1 Corinthians 13, it describes how love is. Sometimes I'm thinking I'm being loving, and then if you look at it very carefully, well, yeah, it wasn't very kind, it wasn't very gentle, it wasn't very, it was done in a, a self-serving way. And, okay, I, I, I wanted to do the right way. Well, yeah, you need to understand how it should be done in the right way. Fourthly, it, it is an act you are equipped to do. Often we don't serve, particularly in areas where it's, it's, it's more than just being there and showing up and, and doing a task that we're all capable of doing. But sometimes God wants us to do something beyond that in a specific targeted area. And we think, well, I, I can't. I don't have those skills. Well, what God wants you to do, he will enable you to do. And, and where you feel unequipped, God will equip you. And that's really what the church is here for, that, that if, if God is leading a direction you need, you feel the, the skills or the ability to do that, that the church is here to, to help you be able to do what you feel God is calling you to do. In fact, many ways, that's what the pastoral staff is, is here for. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, it says this, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Uh, the word equip has two ideas there. One is if a person is, is broken and needs to be mended, that's what the church is here for. You know, if you're hurting on the inside, you, you need that hurt to be healed. 
And, and that's what the Word of God and the ministry of the Word of God and prayer does. It heals our hearts so that we're prepared to serve. It also has the other idea where if something needs to be given the tools for or the, the skills to, that, that that can be imparted as well, where a person might not know how to do something and they're taught how to. Yesterday, some of you are aware that I'm not necessarily particularly skillful in the kitchen, and I thought, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go the extra mile. I won't have somebody else make my breakfast. Okay, and, and normally my breakfast is get the bowl, pour it in the bowl, and put the milk in it, all right, and get the spoon out. So I thought, okay, I'm going to make myself some eggs. They'd already had, they already had their breakfast, and I had been doing different things. So I go in there, and I, and I, I pull out the pan. I said, now, is this one of those pans you don't have to spray that stuff into it? You know, they have, don't they have pans where you don't, it's, you don't have to stick them in them? Okay, well, they don't you know anything? No, you've got to spray that. I go, well, where's the thing you spray in there? You've been in this house for eight years. You don't know where the thing is. I said, I don't know where it is. They weren't doing it particularly in a loving way, but they were, equip, <laughs> they were equipping me as they were laughing at me, all right? So I sprayed the thing in and started doing the stuff, all right? But, you know, I, you know, I didn't know how to cook the eggs, you know? I didn't know how to use the pan, and, but they told me in an unloving way how to do it. And now I know how to make my own eggs, all right? You know, that's, uh, yes, yes, hold the applause. Um, but that's, that's what the church is here for as well. Okay, in, in any area, if you say, I, I'd really like to, to work with children. I'd really like to work with youth. You know, I, I want to see maybe, maybe I could be on the worship team or work the sound or or I'd like to be working on the facilities, or whatever it might be. I, I don't have any skills, but I, I, could, could you teach me? And God can equip us to do the things he wants us to do. You know, what is service? It's coming to that point where you recognize it's, it's looking at other people's needs beyond your own. It's recognizing, in terms of how God looks at service, it, it's an act of worship, because you're doing out of delighting in God for all that he's done for you. You recognize that, that service is an act of love, motivated by love and done in love. And it's also an act that you can be equipped for, mended in your heart, but also given the skills to. Fifthly and sixthly, quickly. It, it's also an act necessary for you to become like Jesus. And we've already read that verse. But just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. If we were to take the Ephesians chapter 4 passage a little bit further, we would see that, that, that we are all having our parts fitted together to the point where we come to that point where we live unto the measure of who Christ is. We, we can't be like Jesus if we don't act like Jesus. And Jesus came to serve. And then finally this morning, it, it is an act that you are a design of God to do. In Ephesians 2, 10, it says, For we are his workmanship. We are his work of art. Actually, the word comes from a word from which we get a poem. We are a creative, literary uh, masterpiece that, that God has uniquely made in our life, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And, and we're going to be looking through that whole design concept to see how God has uniquely made each one of us. Some things we serve in common, we can all do. And there are other things that we serve, particularly in an area that God has uniquely put us together for that will honor him in ways that, that only our life can honor him in that way because we are unique in him. So what's the point this morning? 
God wants us to improve our serve. If we can't serve and we can't return to serve, we can't play, we can't play tennis. And whether it's tennis on a court or whether it's table tennis, if you can't serve, you can't return a serve, then you can't get in the game. And God wants us to serve outside these four walls, and He wants us to serve in the lives of believers and non-believers. But He wants our lives to live out its purpose. In Ephesians 2 says that we are His workmanship, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So as we go through this series, God's perfect design, let's all, let's all be about improving our serve for God's greater glory in this world. Let's pray. Well, this message is a message for uh, those on the inside, but it's also for those who might be looking at those on the inside. If a person comes to that point in their life where they want to make that step to become a Christ follower, they, they need to understand what, what that means. And that means to, to live a life of service, not thinking about yourself, but a, a life living for the sake of others. Father, I, I pray that, that we, uh, each one of us, as, as all of us have had points of, of, of service for you, and, and might we look at this in a new and fresh way, and maybe there's some changes you want to make in our lives. Maybe there's some things you want us to carve out in terms of our schedule and our time to, to invest uh, uniquely in the kingdom of God in ways that you have made it. Father, on this day when we remember not only uh, what Christianity is all about and as we began with what Easter is all about, uh, we ought to also think about what the cross is all about. And when we take communion, uh, as we come and, and serve ourselves at the table and then partake of it at, at where we sit in the, in the worship center this morning, might we remember that great sacrifice that was made on our behalf, and might we fall more and more in love with him. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.